Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. On a scale from 1 to 10, how much do you feel listened to at work? Have you ever left an organization because you felt undervalued? Today on Conflict Managed, we are joined by experienced welder Jeremy McKeel. Listen as he contrasts his experience of working in a demoralizing environment that was rigid, lacking in empathy, and did not listen to employee ideas, as opposed to the workplace he finds himself now, where he is encouraged and expected to speak up with new ideas and safety concerns. Jeremy tells us what it's like to work in a caring environment, a productive way to approach inevitable employee mistakes, and his vision for the future of workplaces where people decide to create an environment where a conscious decision is made to work together for the good of each other and the organization. Good morning, Jeremy, and welcome to Conflict Managed. We're so glad you're here. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. Excellent. So today I would like to hear all about your, your work history and what your experiences have been as a welder and the other things that you've done. Yeah, I'm a manual laborer. I worked on the road and as a welder, uh, building fence around like uh, uh, hydro dams after 9-11 because of the security breach or security problems. And then I've worked at, uh, left there and went to McLean Power, where I currently work as a welder, building electrical anchors and connectors and stuff like that. How long have you been a welder? Uh, off and on, probably about 15 years. What was it about welding that you decided to do that? Um, it's like always like building stuff and welding you can usually build just about anything if you mind if you put your head to it I, I take other things that make other things work that shouldn't be doing that it's just creative for me what is it about welding that you find creative the actually assembling stuff and the uh the quality of your weld you can make a quality of your weld like really pretty and you can strive to make like really really good weld looking and you know strong welds but actually good looking weld instead of what they would call dirt dauber nest on a piece of metal that looks like somebody just throwed mud at it with just blobs on it i admit i don't know much about welding but i went <laughs> through um it was in Union City a month or so ago and you know they make those boats those aluminum bolt boats um, and uh, we had a tour through the facility and they were talking about the welder as artist and as being a craftsman and that, you know, when you're first starting off, like who, um, who does what kind of welds, but then that the artists, that the best welders do amazing work and they take pride and it's a craft. I just thought naively that it's a, a weld is good because, and only because it holds not because of how it looks, but but it is because of how it looks in addition to its strength. Is that right? Yeah, um, most customers like the strength, but they really like the, the fit and finish of it. The prettier, the prettier, the better, because they're like, okay, he took pride in what he done. More likely gonna be a good weld. You don't take pride in it, then you just, it's like buying a toy shirt or a shirt with a hole in it or something. There's some threads that are come out. You're like, eh, I don't know about that, but if one has got a, 
really good sewing in it or really good stitches in it, you're like, oh, this is a good shirt. So it's kind of the same way with welding. It makes a lot of sense to me that people care about what the weld looks like as a signal to the quality of the weld. That makes a lot of sense. So when you think about the different places that you've worked, what comes to mind as one of the best experiences you've had and what was so good about it? Currently, the job that I'm at now at McLean Power is the best one I've had so far. The reason is like when I was at my other job, they would, if you had an ergonomic idea or think it was okay or maybe improve what you're doing, they would uh, just be arrogant about it. And they wouldn't, they would just say, this is how you do it. We've always done it this way. That's why you do it. So my current job, they, uh, they encourage you to come up with new ideas, encourage you to think of ideas that would help everybody else work to the point that, so if, if you come up with an ergonomic better idea, you can always take it to like your engineer or engineers and see if it's okay and see if it's possible. Then you can take it to a safety, safety department and they look at it and see if it's more ergonomic than what we got, if it makes it a quicker job or if it makes it an easier job. And then you can take it to finance and then they'll, usually if it's a good idea and cost effective and all that, and they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to do this and this, and then they'll change whatever you wanted to change to do whatever you needed to do. That sounds really important to be in an environment where you're valued, your expertise and knowledge is valued. Yeah. 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 So if I think that a new machine, say, uh-huh. uh, if I think a new machine, say a boom crane, uh, I was able to talk to the engineers and finance and safety and maintenance about it and with my concerns and replacement. The boom crane, um, after looking at it, everything, they, they're ordering me a new, uh, it's called a new jib. It's the thing that the actual winch and stuff sits on the, on the crane. Actual crane part of it, you would call, is what was bad. It was bowing and stuff when you picked up stuff and it made me concerned. So I finally got them to look at it enough that they got me a new one. That's great. That must have felt very rewarding to notice it and go through the work and then they responded. Yeah. Did, is that the feeling that you get from your other colleagues that they feel like this is an open environment where they're listened to? I'm not 100% sure. Some of them do, some of them don't. I don't know. Well, sure. We all have different experiences in our, in our work environment. What about an experience with a person or organization that was difficult for you? The last job I was at that I didn't have a voice, I didn't have a say in anything really, and just had to go with whatever they decided, how they decided it, when they decided it, and all that, and kind of find out, I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It doesn't sound like a very um, good human work environment to be in. So how did you deal with that? Uh, Eventually, I just kind of kept my head down and try to do what I needed to do. And luckily I had decided to try to change jobs and found the job that I'm at now. Given the experience that you've had at this new place of employment where where you feel listened to, if you were going back to your old job, do you think that you would do anything differently? 
I don't think so because I don't see anything from the new environment that I'm in that would have it a lot of it would apply, but I don't think it would have been able to be done just because of the bureaucracy of everything and just the uh buddy buddy system and all that that you didn't you couldn't do nothing really. So in order to be able to have input, the system, the management, or the way the environment was needs to change. So what, what do you think, if you could go back to your other work environment and implement some changes, what, what do you think would really help all the workers to have a good work experience and a good work environment? I guess the ability to, to adapt and evolve. The biggest thing is my current job, you can, if say I have an issue with my supervisor, I can go above him and I'm not like penalized or targeted or anything like that if I do that. And if they don't like, if I don't like what they say, then I can just keep going up and to the point that I can call the owner of the company and talk to him if I really wanted to. But you can just go above them if you just don't like the situation. My last job, if you went above them, they would get upset and then you would get basically targeted in their little ways and it wasn't good. I think that's so important and I'm glad that you brought that out because we are going to have problems at work. We are going to see things that we think maybe are safety hazards or we're going to see things that we want improved or a vision for how to do better work smarter. And if the structure isn't in place to allow us to talk about problems or mistakes, uh, then we're gonna do what you said. You keep your head down and eventually you leave. And that organization misses out on good employees, innovation, better work, better quality work. And then I'm so happy for you that you have found a place that actually sounds like they care about their employees such that they want to make sure that your voice is heard all the way up to the owner. Yeah. Well, they encourage it all the time. We actually have classes that everybody goes through. They're supposed to go through like our continuous improvement classes and last like six weeks to go once a week, once a day or once a week, a couple of hours. And then you got uh, safety committees that go out and look around and see if there's anything that's safety hazard. And they change them people up every six weeks, I think it is. So there's fresh eyes looking at everything. And uh, I'm currently in one. It's, uh, I think it's called a DuPont stop. It's, uh, it's actually the paint company DuPont, something that they did so that we adopted. And uh, we're, everybody's having to go through it right now. It's, uh, it's to make sure you know all the safety precautions, pro- protocol, what to do if there is a safety hazard. If, be encouraged to tell somebody, hey, that, that's not safe. You need to stop without them getting upset with you and going, it's going off on you. Yeah, that's so important, this psychological safety. It's one thing to have a policy. It's one thing to go through training that says, if you see something, say something. We want to make sure that this is a safe environment. And it's quite a lot different to go to management when you know management doesn't want to hear it or you're going to be penalized, or they're going to say, no, the mistake is with you, the worker, not with us, which then of course makes people not want to report. So you need to have both, right? You need to have the safety protocol that everybody knows, but then 
which is equally important is a receptive management who wants to really know what's going on so that they can make the necessary changes for improvement for safety. When a mistake is made at the place that you're at right now, how, how do people deal with mistakes? How are they met? What kind of mistakes you talking about? Like the safety aspect or? It could be safety. It could be, since I don't know much about welding, I'm not quite sure what kind of mistakes people would make. <laughs> oh, uh, well, if we have like some of our parts that we got quality that goes behind us and looks at stuff. And if we have like a welder that misses a weld or got really crappy weld, they won't even send it to the coating place, the galvaning place. They'll send it right back in the building and tell us, hey, and they'll mark them and everything, tell them you got to fix this or that's missing that or you got to weld this up. And then after that's all done, we have another QC that goes through them and goes through them again after the coating's been put on it. And if it's caught then, then they're sent back to us. And if they don't catch it, they'll when they go to pack out, pack out catches it, they'll send it to us. And then if pack out don't catch it, they have one more QC that looks at it again before it's put on a truck to get out of the building. And if it's caught in, you get pulled out. But it depends on how, if you do it, if it happens like every once in a while, like, I mean, very once in a while, they don't really say, hey, you messed up and you fix it. But if you're like habitual, messing up then they go to writing you up and stuff like that verbals and then you know you eventually get fired but you know it, it's a it's a long process to get fired from messing up like that how do you want mistakes handled the way they handle it i think is pretty much okay uh, I, yeah each, each part that we run it we have our own like i have a stencil that i stencil my part with it's all identified back to me you know it, it's hard to say, I didn't do that, but your stamps are out there. Yeah, you have to fix your own stuff. Every now and then, you know, I, I fix other people's stuff, but that's just because of me. <laughs> I think it's really important for a variety of reasons that we can't be anonymous, right? So that when your name is on your work, whatever kind of work that is, if it's welding, if it's teaching, if it's your, the doctor, whoever you are, when you can't hide, it makes it easier to own up to, to what you've done. Yeah. And if you have an environment that realizes people are going to make mistakes, we want to minimize the mistakes and having the opportunity to fix and to actually see what you did seems like the best way forward, the way to grow. But when you're in an organization where it's quote unquote, everybody's work, in a way it's nobody's work. Right. Like how we take care of our own vehicle versus many times a rental vehicle. But right. when it's our name and our reputation, then you also have a certain kind of pride. Like you were talking about your welds as, a, as being a point of pride as being a craftsman because that's yours. Yeah. And I think no matter what profession we're in, we, we want that recognition and we want to be able to grow. So I'm sure when you first started welding 15 years ago, Versus welding today, right? How much better you are at it? Oh, yeah, I'm a lot better with it now. Um, the way I look at it, and I try to tell new welders that come in that your weld is a signature on that part. I mean, I can I can 95% of the time walk up to a part and tell you if it's my stamps on it or not, if I welded that part. 
and just because I know my style of welding and I know a bunch, I, I can actually pinpoint a bunch of other people's welds too but it has a signature of the way you weld or the way I think it looks in the signature weld. So when you think about welding as a profession more and more people I hope are going into the trades because we need people to weld right if the, we had no welders <laughs> we're not going to have buildings and cars and just about everything else this com this computer and this microphone that i'm speaking into right we're not going to have <laughs> all of these things right um, so what advice would you give to somebody who has graduated high school and they're considering um a career in the trades uh why should they go into welding the only reason I can see that you would want to go into welding is if you actually like, like I said earlier, if you like to create things, if you like to have uh, build things, put things together, and you have to enjoy welding. You can't just be like, okay, I'm doing it for the money. You're not going to be a good welder at all. You have to actually like to weld, like enjoy welding. And if you don't enjoy welding, it's not not for you yeah gosh welding and everything else right? Uh, right sometimes we get into a profession because we think the the financial aspect is is good but if you don't like it gosh obviously it's going to show in your welding and it shows in everything else and then you won't be happy no right and that's what we want we want to live good flourishing lives so over your decade and a half of welding, you've been in different organizations. Um, have you seen the profession change much in how workers are treated? I would say, yeah, but it, it's hard to judge because everything that I've done has been a different type, like a different environment, different product per se welding on. I was in an automotive plant when I was in my early early 20s and it was like probably a hundred of us and you was just a spot in there that you welded um the only thing that i could say about that job was that the lucky thing i had was that everybody else had a station that they went to and that's where they went every day and the department that i was in they were uh, they called them heavy repair and heavy repair was basically a full-time person that was a temporary person that took a person that was on vacation or sick or whoever. So I had to learn all the welds everywhere. So out of that hundred people, I had to run, run everybody's weld. Wow. Efficiently. So in your early twenties and considering I didn't ever go to Votech school or anything, I just learned it, just learned it. And I took advice from the older people and went from there and became pretty darn good at welding. So that was advice that you were given by other people, learn all the different kinds of welds and that's how you learn how to be a welder? Well, no, actually uh, the biggest advice I got was that when you go to weld something, you need to be comfortable. And I mean, like in the lazy boy comfortable. I mean, you, you don't, if you're all tensed up or angry or mad or nervous or something, it, it will show in your weld. And if you're in a, like a cramped up position, you can't move correctly, you'll get into about like a half a weld and then you have to move. And then you'll see it in the weld because you got to have to stop or wiggle it or something. But I was always told to, like when I was in an automotive plant, that's where I got that advice. He said that when it clamps up, 
they're not going nowhere. You just lay up on the clamp, get comfortable, make sure you can make that weld full movement without without being cramped up. And for one, not being cramped up, not tensed up, and being comfortable, you don't wear out during the day, like running 12, 10, 12 hours a day. You don't get tired that easy. You get tired, but you know, you don't get tired as quick. But yeah, the, the biggest thing is to be comfortable with with holding a gun and being comfortable with your fluid movement and all that. And thus, that's why I guess it's important for the ergonomics of it, right? Because it's a physical job. And if you, if it's so important to be able to be in the zone and have your body be relaxed, then you need, the, you need to have the, the circumstances around you be such that is conducive for you to do your best work. Yeah. So when you look into the future and you think about what would make an environment where everyone is flourishing from the people on the line, the managers, everyone who interacts with the organization, what are some policies or um, not even just policies, but what would you like to have happen so that everyone is treated with dignity and respect and encouraged to flourish? Basically, uh, you're working together to solve a problem or working together to get something done. Not a, he's against me. I can run better than you. There's not a, we don't have an employee of the month, nothing like that. We don't even, now we, me and the guys, sometimes me and the guys have friendly competitions, but it's friendly competition. It's not like, if I do better than you, I'm going to be better than you. Nothing like that. But uh, they encourage us to work together, really. Like, if you have a problem, if you have issues, go to the fellow welders and go, hey, do you know anything about this? Can you help me with this? Can you better way to do this instead of, you know, just figure it out. And don't we all want that? You know, we want to be able to be free to do our job. And most of us work with other people. And when that environment is easy and friendly in the sense that we know we can count on one another, then it frees us up to do our work. But when there's backbiting, gossip, sometimes there are employee structures where you get ahead by stepping on the other employees. Uh, how is that conducive to really thinking about this is a place for humans. We want to do the best work we can in an environment that is not only pleasant, but helps us to achieve our own personal goals. So you see teamwork and working, being able to work together in an easy environment as a, a way to achieve that? Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, I know a couple of occasions that uh, at work, where I work at currently, they've had a couple of people that try to like bite, backbite and try to step on people's toes and all this. And then they're like, no, you know, they, they'll let them do it. They'll let them talk about it. And then, then they they don't get rewarded for it or nothing. Sometimes they, the person that was doing it gets penalized for in their own little way. They don't like formally penalize anybody, but they'll kind of, you know, don't be doing that, <laughs> you know. I was just talking to um, somebody else for my podcast. His name is Brian Walski, and he works at a company and their rule is no jerks. Mm. And uh, it sounds like you have that as well, that what is prized is people helping one another 
a nice work environment. I don't really, I'm not really for thinking about work environments as families. It's okay if people want to do that, but it is a job that we're getting paid. You don't usually pay your family members, um, but it is a, an environment where we want to work collegially together to further the mission of the organization and then our own personal goals. And when you have people who are backbiting, or gossiping, or stepping on other people's toes, there are so many different ways an organization could come in and stop it by simply not tolerating it and not rewarding it. Yeah. And that's a strong message when other people say, oh, that person's not only not tolerated, there's been some blowback because they were mean. Yeah. Well, we, uh, they actually promote family where I'm at because mm -hmm. the, the company is family owned. It's not even a public company. It, it's not like got stockholders or anything. It's like a father and son that's like the owner and been owners for 90 something years. Wow. Uh, and they're like, no, we're going to, we're going to be basically family. Something goes wrong, but somebody has a hard time or, you know, outside of work or something that we've had a couple of people that's, uh, like had cancer and they had fundraisers for them and done that personally in the company and the guy had a house fire and he helped them stuff like that. that that's what I love about organizations that not only work to further the mission of the organization right so we need to get this product out whatever it may be but also is concerned with the humans and the in their lives because we all have ups and downs we all have hardships that visit us and how we're treated when we're in those worst times in our life by our, the people around us at work since tells us volumes about how they value us. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Do you feel comfortable at all sharing about how this organization has been with you in this past year? Uh, yeah. So when my daughter passed away last year, I uh, had to call into work, you know, because she passed away, they uh, accommodated me as much as a lot more than you would believe that they accommodated me. Um, they actually paid me well more than what they were supposed to pay me. Uh, when I got back, I wasn't really 100% sure that I could work eight, uh, 10 hours a day, so they let me work eight hours, and if I had a like a mental breakdown, I had a bad day that day, they would just let me go to the house and not penalize me or give me a point or anything. They accommodated me pretty good. I, I can't, I can't complain a bit. And they still do to this day that if I'm having a bad day or just happen to have a bad day about it and they're like, Oh, okay. And then going about their business. I am so sorry for your loss. And I really appreciate you sharing that because I know some of our listeners are in bad environments and they think, well, that's just what work is like. I'm just not treated well, but I love hearing stories where people are seen as people and they're treated like that so that people can know, you know what, if you're in a bad environment at work, you have choices. You can get out of that because you deserve to be treated with the dignity and respect that is afforded you as a human, as part of the human community. And more than that, <clears throat> I hope for everyone that they're in an environment where they're encouraged to, to thrive. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. You're welcome. So any last words of wisdom when you think of into the future and you think about your kids going into the workplace, what do you want for them? I want them to make sure that they're doing what they love to do. 
if whatever it is and just to try to find a really good environment to be in and it don't always work out the first few times you try to work but you usually you can go to jobs and you might like one thing about this job and not this and then go to the next job and you got that but then you have the other eventually get it all built together and get a job that you actually really like and then it, you enjoy going to work and don't have no problem going to work that's the biggest thing i think every, everybody needs to know that work ain't that bad if you don't mind i mean you know if you like going to work and you know, if you like doing what you're doing i understand going to work and not liking what you do and not want to go to work and it's not staying there it, it i've been in both situations and I like the one that you like to go to work. Absolutely. Right. This whole dread on Sunday night of going to work on Monday. I really hope people pay attention to that. What are you dreading? Uh, if you are really dreading it and it's causing you a lot of stress, try to find something else. There are opportunities, especially after the pandemic. We've seen there's a variety of things that you can do um, as you're trying to find yourself. But our mental health is really important. So finding not just the kind of job that we like, but then the environment that fits us. And I'm so pleased that you have found that in this new place. Thank you. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, take care. You too. Bye. Thank you, Jeremy, for sharing with us today. I appreciate your willingness to talk about how your employer treated you and your family as you suffered and continue to grieve the loss of your sweet child. May we all be reminded to treat one another with love and kindness. Conflict Manage is hosted by Mary Brown and produced by third-party workplace conflict restoration services. You can find them online at 3pconflictrestoration.com. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time, take care.